Julian Campbell with Business, The Law and You and another interesting show for you lined up this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one is how to get two very different teams to collaborate. We're also talking with Christina again, who's going to catch up with uh, some of the uh, highlights from that Singularity Conference and also longevity in your business. But right now we're going to have a chat with Jeanette Ball, who is from Speed uh, Styling and a past president of the Association of Image Consultants. So we're going to talk about dressing for success. Good afternoon, Jeanette. Good afternoon, Julian. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you for joining us again. So... um, I suppose one of the questions comes up is when dealing with clients, should you dress down to make your client feel comfortable or maintain your high professional's dress? Well, as you'd know, there's been quite a trend in recent years to dress down in the workplace with casual Fridays and some really large businesses that we know of in the IT field who dress down all of the time. And I get asked this question often when I'm presenting to workplaces and yes I get it we want to look relatable to you know for the client and we also like comfort we're getting rather addicted to that but in a nutshell your clients want their talented high-priced professional to look like a talented high-priced professional in a suit or a dress and jacket crisp polished and professional People outside of your field can't judge if you're any good at what you do, especially in the early stages, but they can see if you respect them enough to make an effort and if you have enough know-how and emotional intelligence to dress yourself well. So it's all right if I dress down while I'm on the radio, though, because nobody can see me. <laughs> oh, I've got a point about that um, that I'd, I would like to make, and it's it's called um, enclosed cognition. So we might come back to that a little later, and I'll tell you what that is. Okay, is dressing well that hard? Well, fashion guru Tim Gunn said, if fashion were easy, wouldn't everybody look great all the time? So the short answer is yes, dressing well is hard, especially in this era of cheap disposable fashion. There's a lot of rubbish around and you shouldn't be wearing it to work. Now, dressing well is a kind of intelligence that's on display for all to see. If you do this successfully, it tells others that you know and accept your body, you understand concepts like quality, modesty, colour, scale, proportion. You know how to coordinate pieces in terms of colour, style and pattern. You know what good fit looks like. Now, that's a rarity these days. And you know how to look polished in a professional setting. So, yes, it's more complicated than it appears. Um, If you watch a group of professional men at a work function they will all look at the young graduate or the new guy head to toe and they take in every detail because career or rich men who dress well understand the importance of detail, fit and quality. Now, you might not have any idea that you don't fit in or if you do have an idea, you don't know why. Now, compared to women's clothing, men's clothing is uncomplicated, but in that narrower field is a lot of depth. Now, I saw a speech by a political candidate a few months ago where he had done up all three buttons on his jacket. No matter how many buttons you have on a man's jacket, traditionally only the bottom one is ever done up. Oh, sorry, the bottom one is never done up and the, the other ones are done up. So dressing for corporate women, on the other hand, is a complete minefield. Endless choice equals endless ways to get it wrong. 
If a man wears a too tight suit, for instance, he's regarded as silly. For a woman, though, it's assumed it's a conscious choice and her morals are in question. Mm. So women also have more choice in garment styles. Do they wear a dress, you wear pants, you wear a skirt? So it's more work to pull together a full outfit. So yes, it is harder. What is the rule of exception and how does that apply in the workplace? Well, Julian, it's about unwritten expectations. Whenever you veer outside of what would be regarded as normal for your job, then the rule of exception kicks in. And that means that only the exceptionally good or the exceptionally bad gets noticed. Now, if you had a flight from Williamtown today and the pilot turned up in his pyjamas, you probably wouldn't get on the plane. Mm. (laughs) You expect the pilot to look like a pilot. Now, um, science tells us that genetically blessed people have an unfair advantage. It's not a level playing field. And um, fortunately, we can even that up a little bit if we work on our presentation. But I'll just give you a few facts that's come from scientific research in recent years. For instance, taller people earn more, Mm. about $2,000 each year for each inch of height over 5 foot 6, so that's men mostly. Blonde women and not blonde men earn 7% more than non-blondes. Um, if you're considered very good-looking, you know, Brad Pitt or J-Lo, um, you get ahead in every area of life more easily than most. Women who wear makeup on the job earn 20% more. And um, dressing in a professional way actually makes you better at your job. And this is what I was saying about enclosed cognition. They found that even just putting on a white coat improves performance. And it seems that although we are what we eat, when it comes to clothing, we become what we wear. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, most professionals, though, are very, very busy. Is it really worth the time and effort to pull together an executive wardrobe? Oh, absolutely. But you knew I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's especially crucial and beneficial to the self-employed professional and to the new graduate. A polished appearance means you won't have to work so hard at establishing your qualifications and credibility. Your appearance alone does a lot of that for you. And professional women in particular have to be very conscious of this. If they're in a male-dominated profession, for example, engineering or architecture, they have to earn respect with clients and colleagues and supervisors. So wearing an old T-shirt and ripped jeans on casual Friday will undo a lot of their hard work. So at the end of the day, it's an investment. If you need help, the services of an image consultant are invaluable because for most people, that good presentation will translate into dollars and career advancement. I had a lovely client a few years ago who set her heart on a plum position in a large corporation and we went shopping together for a full outfit, the whole works, and she spent $1,000 on it and that's a lot to fill out. But she got the job, she got a better salary, ended up with a promotion, and she absolutely loves this job. So that investment for her was was well and truly worth it. Yeah. Mm. Well, you've mentioned those statistics. Um, Do you have any quick tips to share with our listeners? Yes, of course. Um, If you wear darker colours in the workplace, you look more powerful. Um, so absolutely have your colour typing done. It only takes about two hours and uh, it, it has tremendous benefits. Um, wearing black a lot can really aid you, especially if you're over 40 and competing with your Gen Ys and Millennials at work. Um, the average suit will look expensive if you get it tailored to your body. Good fit looks expensive. Um, match your socks to your shoes rather than your pants. That's that's something I see all the time that Mm. people get wrong. Um, 
for women, get your hairdresser to show you some polished styles for the office instead of just wearing it all loose. Uh, always wear sleeves in a professional environment. And over rather than underdress, because you can always shed a jacket or a tie or whatever if you need to. And for both men and women, don't do casual Friday. <laughs> Um, it can be too much information of the wrong kind. If you've got tats, for instance, no one needs to see them now. Or maybe you're a closet hippie. Um, colleagues and bosses will assume this is the real you, not the polished professional they see the rest of the time. So if you do decide to wear something different on Casual Friday, the key is to maintain the same level of formality. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Jeanette. We'll have a chat with you again another time. Yeah, lovely. Thank you so much, Julian. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Jeanette Ball there with some tips on dressing for success. And some of those statistics are quite staggering, aren't they? Although we do, uh, people do have their opinions, don't they? And you're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM. Time to have our chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now, you're not travelling around today, so that's good. And we're going to have a look at some of those uh, more tips from your uh, Singularity Conference. Yeah, I thought we might do have a little discussion this week um, around um, med tech and what's happening in the medical field. Mm. Um, Longevity is becoming uh, a more and more popular topic to discuss. Um, where do we? Where are we using artificial intelligence? Where are we using um, nanotechnology? How are we turning science fiction into science fact? Um, so longevity is all about being balanced with good health. So it's not just around um, living longer; it's actually living longer, but living a healthy life as well. And this has got great um, economic effect. Food, you know, where are we going to get the food from? Are we going to have a population expansion? What does it do to education? Uh, and and what what has tended to be the case is that we tend to think in silos, but if we think in terms of health progressing at the same rate that um, the food development is progressing and the population control and how we use mobility and how we use self-driving vehicles that may uh, may free up more land, etc. How do we democratise education when all of these things are moving forward? Not exactly at the same speed, but at, at similar. Speeds and, you know, we're making advances in everything all at once. So it's not about how are we going to deal with one one thing at a time. There's a term that's going to become more and more popular, uh, and that is longevity escape velocity. And that's where life expectancy increases more than a year per year of you being alive. Uh, so what does, you know, what does that mean to, to, again, as we said before, to food, to energy, to water? Um, very importantly, uh, and I really need to listen to this message, sleep is imperative. So how do we make sure that people get, get the sleep that they need? So we kind of think that um, for at any point of time where we're getting eight hours less sleep, it is actually affecting the longevity. Uh, we had also some um, information about um, the Australian Alliance for Artificial Intelligence in Healthcare, which is an, an organisation that's doing work in, in longevity. Divya Chanda was talking about this organisation. Um, and she also mentioned that we need to waken up our brain to the power of the information age. So if we've got all this information that's happening, um, rather than rejecting it, how are we opening up our brains to accept, to think, to wonder what it might be like? When if you think about, you know, um, civilization many, many years ago, 
had we asked them to open their minds up to what the possibilities are today, there would have been the same fear factors, you know, happening uh, and, and the total disbelief in what, in what might have been. But, you know, we've got so many wearables coming in. We've got, we've got clothes that can tell our blood pressure and our temperature. We've got toilets that can diagnose, you know, what we're eating and what's lacking in our nutritional balance. Um, we've got devices already that we can that can be controlled by our minds. There was a um, Dr. Jordan Ian who um, is doing some remarkable work with cerebral palsy um, people with cerebral palsy, and he has actually this. Jess Irwin is a is a young Australian with cerebral palsy who's just released a single with Steve Bobby, um, and she plays synthesizer with her eyes. So there's all these remarkable um, progressions happening that are enriching the lives of so many um, that we can't ignore them. And, and the more we know about it, the more the less we fear and the more useful they can become to us. And, of course, uh, one of the things that I think is happening is some of it's happening at a, at a slower speed than we realise, um, and we've, but we've already got the technology around us. Uh, I was listening to a, a guy by Michael McQueen yesterday at a, at a function, and he was talking about the artificial intelligence in cars. You know, most cars now have got all this holding you in the lane and parking and everything else. That intelligence is already there on the roads of many of the cars. And so we, the next step is the uh, drivable cars. And then he went on to say that Volvo's even working on a car that you can sleep in. You just set, yep. set it and then it drives you there and you wake up. Yeah, some of the, the new technology, they're, they're actually people movers. They're, they're not cars anymore. You know, you can yeah. have a whole office that will that will drive you to your next destination or a movie theatre or, you know, all these kind of things. And they are already happening. I mean, Jordan has been working um, on a mind control wheelchair for 10 years. It's wow. not a new new yeah. concept. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like anything. At first, when something becomes digitised like that, it's a little deceptive. We don't quite realise what's going on. And then it becomes popular and all of a sudden people think it's this disruptor, um, whereas it's, it's been around for quite some time before we hear about it. You know, it's like the early adopters that people talk about. If you're an early adopter, you know about it straight away. If you're a bit of a laggard, then it kind of comes comes at you a little bit later. Suddenly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, Great. Well, thanks for your time. We'll have a chat with you uh, next week. Look forward to it, Julian. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there with uh, yeah, Longevity's uh, things going to happen on us and of course all that artificial intelligence good and bad i think you're listening to business the law and you on 2nurfn we've got time for our harvard business review tip this particular one how to get two very different teams to collaborate it's easy to assume that because two teams are part of the same organization culture they share the same norms and values but teams often have different ways of working, which can make collaboration a challenge. For example, one team may prefer to resolve conflicts as a group, while another may assume that conflicts are best resolved in private. To get two groups to work together effectively, you generally have three options. Firstly, adopt one approach. For example, the team that discusses conflict privately may begin doing it in meetings if the other team makes a compelling case for their method. Secondly, integrate both approaches. The teams could agree to initially raise a conflict in private and then jointly raise the issue with the larger team. And finally, compromise. The teams might agree to let each member decide whether to raise conflict privately or with the team. Compromise should be a last resort, though, as it often leaves everyone feeling somewhat dissatisfied. 
Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at the importance of dressing for success and uh, some interesting statistics about uh, certain people's appearances. And we've looked at longevity in life. And just a reminder that a couple of weeks ago we spoke spoke to Kimberly Claire Campbell from the Business Hub about uh, a, a course the uh, the government is providing called the New Enterprise Incentive Scheme. They're currently uh, looking for some people. If uh, you're looking to set up your own business and you're currently unemployed and looking for work, you may well qualify for this fantastic government program that's been around for 30 years. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll have some more tax tips from Chartered Accountant Tony Vidray. We'll have our Minute on Innovation with Christina and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Sigmund Freud once said, out of your vulnerabilities will come your strengths. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>